see you today, and uh, yeah, I just want to say welcome, and what a joy, what a privilege, honestly, to be together today. Hey, I also just want to welcome those that are watching online, and, uh, and then say hello to our friends down at the Correctional Center campus in Mod 7. Let's welcome them with us here this morning. Yeah, so. <clears throat> you know, as Rob mentioned, you know, we started streaming our services uh, live online uh, last weekend, and what that means is that you can tune in if maybe you're on vacation or you're traveling for business or you're homesick or whatever. Um, it allows you to be able to tune in um, really in real time at either 9 or 1045, and uh, we love being able to provide that. Last weekend, we launched that with very little promotion, and 225 devices logged in and watched the service. And uh, one gal actually uh, messaged us and just said, wow, we are unexpectedly sitting in the hospital this weekend, and we are tuned in, though, and we're watching online. Thank you. What a blessing. And so let me just say, if that online presence is helpful for you in one of two ways, one, if it's helpful for you just to stay connected when you absolutely have to be gone, we hope that it serves you well for that. Um, but also, it might be a great front door for someone to, uh, you're, you're trying to invite them to church, and they just want to get a taste of, hey, what's this place like, what's their teaching like, all that kind of, of, of stuff. So if it can be helpful uh, on that front, one, to help you stay connected, or two, just a great front door for somebody, uh, we hope that you'll really maximize that, and we're really um, honored to be able to, uh, to provide it. We value this gathering so much that we can't wait for those that are watching online to, to end up uh, here as well. So it's, uh, it's fun. Well, today uh, we are in part two of an 11-part series uh, that's taking us through the New Testament book of Ephesians, and I really believe that you're in for a treat this morning as we're going to look at God's Word. We're going to be in the second half of chapter two, and um, I just kind of want to share my heart with you, though, on a, a couple of things uh, before we get into the text this morning, because as I studied this week, it became pretty clear to me that some of the things that you're going to see in the text that the Apostle Paul is going to want to really drive home into our minds and into our hearts this week are really in that top category, that kind of that big umbrella of, okay, if God was to name just a few of the desires or goals or blessings that he truly has for all of his children, I believe the things that we're going to look at today would fall right into that category. Um, the, the form by which this comes to us is the form of a prayer. So the Apostle Paul is praying for a group of people that not only does he care deeply about but he longs for them to be developed in Christ. They've found Christ, and now he wants them to discover the joy of being able to follow him. And I even, I've written this, these verses on a card, and I'm praying these verses for our church. And, and my hope for you this morning, and my ask of you is this, would you, as we approach God's word this morning, would you approach it with the heart and the mindset of, I'm really going to lean in today. Like, I, I'm really going to ask God, Lord, would you speak to me? Uh, we don't want to ever play church here. We, we, we want to come and we want to say, God, would you speak to me, God, because you're so good and your people have gathered, and so now would you do something great in me? And so I would just ask, would you approach God with that kind of a posture this morning? So why don't, um, I'm going to pray for us and, and let's just ask God to lead us uh, here today. You know, I was thinking about even what some of you bring into the room today. And for some of you, you have such great needs, right? You've had life happens throughout the course of a week, right? And I think you're going to be touched by this, uh, what we're going to look at today. Um, for others of you, you might be actually like the guy that I ran into this week. I invited him here to church, and he simply said to me, he said, you know what, I'm just not into it. He said, I, I actually, I'm okay with the message of this book, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for the message. He said, but I've had some bad experiences with some Christians, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm not up for that. 
and he's skeptical. And maybe you come here today and you're skeptical. I think actually this will be helpful for you this morning to be able to know, okay, what does God call a Christian to? What kind of a life? What does that actually look like? And then the last group that I just want to pray specifically for this morning as well is you might come in here today and you would say, I have faith. My faith in Jesus is real. But you would say it feels pretty flat. Have you ever tried to ride a bike with a flat tire? Or you've been riding along and all of a sudden the tire goes flat? It's hard, isn't it, to keep going? Some of you feel that way. Like you, you hear God's stories, but you're not telling any. You want them to be true. You want to see God showing up in your life in big ways. But you're just kind of like, oh, my faith is real, but I just want it to be more alive. And so I'm praying that this morning God would touch you by these things that the Apostle Paul is going to, we're going to see this morning in the text. So yeah, pray with me. Pray with me now. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you call us to, to be together. And Father, we worship you in this place, and we, we love doing that. And it is such an honor and a privilege to do it. And so Father, we want to pray, though, now very specifically, God, would you speak to us today? God, I do, I pray for that person that comes in here with great need and they just long for a touch from you. God, I pray for the person that's very skeptical of this faith, of Christianity. I pray that today they would see so much more than a religion, God, but they would see what does it mean to know you. And then, Father, for that person that's here maybe today and they would say, you know what, I'm just, I'm not going off the rails, but man, I, my faith is kind of flat. God, I pray you'd inspire it today. God, teach us from your word, Lord. We want to listen to you. And so if you're willing, church, if you're open to God speaking to you, would you just say something as simple as this to the Lord right now here on your own? Would you say, Lord, would you speak to me? I'm ready and I'm listening. Lord, would you speak to me? I'm ready and I'm listening. And then would you take just a moment and would you pray for the people around you? And would you simply say, Lord, would you speak to them? And Father, then would you give them the courage to act on what they've heard? God, would you speak to them, and then would you give them the courage to act on what they've heard? Lord, we love you, and I'm so grateful when we approach you, your children, boy, with open arms, Lord, you long to do the things that we're asking you to do to speak. And so, Lord, impact us now, we pray. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hey, if you've got a Bible, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse uh, 15. Click there, flip there, whatever you got to do to get there. Um, this passage is incredible, but I actually, I want to set it up because I want you to be reminded of the context. As a reminder, the Apostle Paul, he's writing to a new church plant. And so he's writing to a group of people that are in a new area of the city. It's new to them. And they're trying to expand the gospel. They're trying to make the name of Jesus known. They've been impacted by Jesus, but now they're wanting to take that faith, follow the commands of Jesus, and, and make that known in the lives of other people. They're in the city of Ephesus. What we know about Ephesus is Ephesus was actually kind of a big deal. It was a port city. It was a go-to city. It was very multi-ethnic. It was scholarly. It boasted about having the largest library. I mean, it was a big deal city. It was also a city that was full of pagan worship. There were over 50 different temples that were uh, dedicated to the worship of pagan gods, one of them to the, to the pagan god called Artemis. The, the big, big, big temple, actually known as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This city was big, and it was a big deal, but it was also known for this. And a lot of people, a lot of scholars would say this, that the book of Ephesians is six jam-packed, very theologically rich chapters that the Apostle Paul was writing, in a sense, as a survival guide. How do you survive in a city that's hostile toward Christianity? That's what this new church plant was facing. They're living in a bustling city. There's a lot going on. 
but there was a lot of opposition to the spread of Christianity. And so Paul's writing to them in a sense like, hey, this is how you survive. This is how you can make it. You've got to remember who you are. And then he gives them some instruction. So today, we're going to look at eight verses. I've got to tell you they're loaded. If you're new to Brookside, this is what we do. We go to God's word and we ask two questions. We say, Lord, what do you want me to know? And number two, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, what do you want me to know in my mind? But then God, it's more than that. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want it to impact me? So look at these verses. Let's start in verse uh, 15. Paul writes this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's get to work. Look at verse 1, or verse 15, our first verse. There's three different words that I want you to see as we go through this passage but right away, before I get to any one of those three, and I'll tell you when we get there, you've got to notice the very first three words that are said in this passage, for this reason. Now, kind of this is a little Bible reading tool here. When you're reading along and you see something in the scriptures like, for this reason, it's kind of the same thing should go through your mind when you see the word therefore. When you see the word therefore, any time in the Bible you have to ask, what is the therefore? Therefore, yeah, why is it there? The Apostle Paul, when we get to this point, he says, for this reason. So we got to say, okay, for this reason, there's something significant that has just happened that we've got to know about in order for us to understand where he's going to go now in his line of thinking. And so to answer that question, we got to go back to verse 3 of chapter 1. He says this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Now, from there, those first 14 verses, all underneath this umbrella, if you're a follower of Christ, he's saying you've been blessed with all of these different spiritual blessings. That's the big umbrella. But underneath that now, the Apostle Paul, he goes through all of these things, and he's answering this question that we asked last week, and we're going to ask it throughout this series. It's such an important question. It's the question, who am I? And he answers it so well. What are all these spiritual blessings? Who am I? Verse 4, I am chosen. Verse 5, I'm predestined and adopted. Verse 6, I've been given grace. Verse 7, I'm redeemed and forgiven. Verse 8, God's love isn't just, just sprinkled on me. No, 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 it's lavished on me. Verse 9, I'm aware of God's will. Verse 11, I'm included in God's family. I'm marked, but not with a label. I'm marked with the promised Holy Spirit. Verse 14, I'm guaranteed an inheritance as a child of God. And so the Apostle Paul makes it very clear, this is who you are. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been given every spiritual blessing, and then it's all those things. You're chosen, you're adopted, you've been given grace, you're redeemed, you're forgiven, all of those things. That's who you are the moment that you accept Jesus Christ. Now, is that the moment that you have every single question that you have about this book answered? Absolutely not. 
But so many of you, like myself, you got to a point, for me it was when I was 19, for you it's at other times in your life, where you got to the point where you said, you know what, I understand enough to put my faith in Jesus, and I understand also enough not only about him, but I understand enough about me to know I'm a sinner in need of grace and forgiveness. And if he was willing to die for me, okay, wow, I'm in, I believe that. I'll get my questions answered, but I take that identity as a chosen child of God predestined, loved, redeemed, given grace. And by the way, when we know who we are, it causes us to want to worship. Now, when you read verses 1 through 14, and I hope you felt this way when you left last weekend, there's a whole lot in us that should be saying, I can't believe that's true. How amazing. That's our standing before God, and it's incredible. And we could be tempted to say, good, I'll just call it good and go on with my life. And it is what it is. My identity is great. Thank you. But what we're going to see in verse 15 is that the Apostle Paul says, hey, your identity is so good that I'm not going to let up, but I'm actually going to put my foot back on the gas pedal. And he's giving us this model prayer, and he's going to bring to light three things that he's going to say, hey, if you want to know him even better, though, I want you to understand these things. You've got to know these things. And so verse 15, he begins... For this reason, because of who you are in Christ, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all of God's people. Now, this is interesting because somehow this new church plant and how these people are living for Jesus Christ, it's gotten back to the Apostle Paul, and he's heard about it. He's heard, oh, they're, they're embracing their identity in Christ. They're loving people. They're doing this well. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and all your love for all of God's people, verse 16, he says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, to completely side note, but notice something that he does here. He, he continues to pray for them. It's continual. Jesus commends this later. Let me ask you, is there anything that you used to pray for that you gave up praying about that you should actually go back to? The Apostle Paul's modeling something here for us. Jesus commends us when we say, you know what, I'm going to keep praying about that dream. God, you put that in my heart. God, that person, I keep praying. I'm going to pray and not give up. That's what the Apostle Paul is doing. Look at verse 17. He says, I keep asking. And he's going to get even really specific. So when this prayer gets answered, God's going to get honor and glory for that because he asked very specifically, I keep asking. Here it is. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then he says, I, it's like, I want you to have this. Here it is. So that you may know him better. Uh, I pray that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. Why? Because I want you to know him better. If there's just one prayer that you would say, yes, I'll pray, I would say, would you pray this prayer? Would you pray it for yourself? Would you pray it for your family? And would you pray it for your church? This is my prayer for Brookside. Here it is. The Apostle Paul prays it for the, the church in Ephesus. He's saying, I, I want you to know him better. 
And what that means is that once I come to know Christ, I get on this train that's going towards I want to know him better, and I never get off this train. Whether I've been walk or walking with Jesus for five years or 25 years, I keep going, and I keep pressing in, and I keep saying, Lord, I want to know you better, because once I feel like I know you fully, I really don't, because you're, un, you know, man, you're so great and you're so big, and so God, just help me, help my heart to thirst for more. God, I want to know you better. That's Paul's big, big prayer for these people. This is how I actually want you to think about our text for this morning. If you said to me, hey, Jeff, we, we know that you like to go to the mountains. You go to the mountains maybe once a year, and, and we know that you like to do that, and we know that you talk about the lake a lot. You were raised around a lake, and, and so you love the lake. So just, Jeff, if you could just draw us a picture of a place that you could go for one day, what would it look like? And I would say to you, Sure, I can definitely do that. I've got a marker in my back pocket. And so I would do this. I would say, okay, the mountains. Yeah, I draw you the mountains. That's pretty good. And then I would draw kind of the foothills, right? And so I have some of these. These are trees. Trees. <laughs> Not very good at trees. Sorry. Trees. Marsh mushrooms. Yeah. Anyway, but lots of them. But think about it. There's lots of them. But then I'd also say this. You mentioned the lake, so I'd say definitely. You got to have some water, right? And if you got a lake with no boat, that's no fun. And so I would definitely have a boat or a banana, whatever you want, right? All right. There I am. Okay. That'd be my picture, right? I mean, it's got all the ingredients, doesn't it? It's got the mountains, just like you described, and it's got the trees, a whole lot of them. It's got the lake, and then it's even got a boat. But what if you pose the exact same question to me? Jeff, if you could describe, if you could produce a picture that would just show us where you'd like to spend one day, what if I could produce this? Oh, look at that. Isn't that nice? Isn't that better? Isn't that nice? I mean, think about it. That thing's got some texture. If you were to fish in this lake, not this lake. If you fished in this lake, you would catch a fish that would actually pull you around in that canoe, right? Think about this. If you went hiking, you could hike for days in these foothills. If you summited this mountain, oh, you'd take a selfie. You'd post it. I mean, this is great. Do you know what the Apostle Paul is saying to us in this passage? He's saying to the church in Ephesus, you can stay here, but he's saying, I want you to choose better. I want you to have something that's more meaningful to you. You know what's bad about this picture? There's no texture. It's one-dimensional. There's no color. It's frankly kind of confusing, right? <laughs> and the Apostle Paul is saying this, you can stay there, but no, no, no. God is going to describe something to you in just these eight verses this morning. He's going to point out three things that if you want to choose better, if you want to have more, this is the way to get it. And we're going to see these three things, and I pray they just come to life for you. My prayer for you is that you would choose one of them. You know, our bottom line this morning, it's, it's less of a uh, main point and more of a declaration. And I believe it's what the Apostle Paul wanted for this church. It's simply these three words, I choose better. I choose better. My, you've been so on my heart this week, those of you that are saying, I have faith, but it's dead. I have faith, but it doesn't seem like it's alive. What does it mean to choose better? What does it mean when the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you would know him better? Regardless of how well you know him now, I pray that that continues to grow each and every day. I choose better. Three things we're going to see. You know, I've shared this story with some of you. A mentor of mine from college uh, 
he told me this story about something that happened with his son, and he said, I realized that my son's uh, view of God was kind of like that. It just wasn't great. And he said, I knew there was just so much more for him. And he said, I, I kind of could tell that my son Tyler was at this place because every time I would ask him to pray, I'd say, Yo, Tyler, would you pray for the meal today here at the family gathering? And Tyler would say, sure. God, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Amen. And, you know, this went on for months. And, and so he decided to do this little experiment with his son. And so the next morning, his son saw him and said, hey, Dad. His son looked at him, or his dad, Troy, looked at his son, Tyler, and said, Tyler, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Amen. Turned and walked away. Drops him off for school. Bye, Dad. Tyler, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Amen. Picks him up later in the day. Dad engage, or the son engages his dad. Dad, da, 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 da. By this time, he's thinking, Dad, you're crazy. What is wrong with you? You lost your kid. What's going on? And he says, hey, Dad, how, what's going on? How are you? His dad looked at him and said, you know, Tyler, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Amen. And finally, you know, Tyler's just had enough. And he's like, Dad, I get it. I pray horribly. My, hair, my prayers are horrible. And his dad said, no, 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 Tyler, that's not my point. He said, I just, I want you to choose more. He said, because your prayer tells me something about your perception of God. And he's saying, I, Tyler, I just want you to have better. But Tyler, I, I want you to know because you would pray differently if you knew who you were talking to. And, and it would change the way that you think and feel and all of these things. Look with me at verse 18. The Apostle Paul is going to point out three things. How do we know him better? How do we know him better? The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. The first thing that Paul wants to show us is this word hope. Hope. Hope this stands out to you. Verse 18, he says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And, and remember this. And think about the, the imagery there. I pray that the eyes of your heart, like the core of who you are, might like be awakened, that your eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Now remember, the Apostle Paul, he's the person that was so far from God, he was persecuting Christians, but then he encountered Jesus. So the eyes of his heart were dramatically enlightened. He saw Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, oh, I pray that this happens for you. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. And then he says this, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. In Jesus Christ, we have to realize this. We have been called to have hope, real hope. And, and when you look throughout the scriptures at this word hope, it doesn't mean I hope, I cross my fingers, I hope it will happen. Oh, I hope it will happen. No, it's not that. There are things as a Christian that you can have such confidence in. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is my standing with God. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt, with such great hope, God, you are with me. Let me ask you, do you need hope? You know, this magazine, Apple News, labeled 2018 as the year of anxiety. Know this, our world, you know this, our world desperately needs hope. Have you given up on anything? Is there anyone that you've given up on? Is there any dream that God actually put in your heart that God today needs to renew your hope? God needs to remind you, hey, I'm still with you. Hey, I'm still for you. Hey, you, you, you know the hopes and the dreams, the things that I put in you, your relationship with me, no, that's strong. You don't need to doubt that. And know this, it's not just hope for today, but it's also what we refer to as future hope. I mean, everybody think about this. 
There will be a day where there will be no more pain, no more mourning. Does anyone have any brokenness in their relationships right now? There will be no more brokenness. There will be none of it. The Bible begins with everything beautifully created, and it ends with everything beautifully restored. That's future hope. Have you ever been around a kid that can't wait to go on vacation? Do you know what I'm talking about? Our kids, when they were younger particularly, they used to drive us crazy. We would be six weeks out from a vacation, and they would be packing bags, planning meals, getting snacks ready for the drive, and we weren't even going very far. But do you know why they were so excited? It's because they had future hope. I mean, they knew, we're going, we're going, we're going, and they couldn't stop talking about it. I wonder for some of us today if it's maybe our present hope needs to be renewed or if it's our future hope. In other words, God may not change your circumstances, but he might change your perspective because of your future hope gets renewed. And all of a sudden, you begin to see things differently, and you go, you know what, I will get through this because I know one day everything will be restored, and I will be be before Jesus, and I will see him face to face. That's our future hope. The Apostle Paul says, in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called. That's a strong, strong word. The second thing is this. If you're taking notes, write this word down. The Apostle Paul wants us to see our worth. Look at verse 18 again. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So again, that center of you, the core of who you are, the most important part of who you are, your soul, that it might be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. And then he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now, Let's just be real with each other. Those words, the riches of his glorious inheritance, frankly, I think they're words that we can skim over rather quickly and not think a whole lot about and surely not dig into because they sound a little bit like religious mumbo-jumbo. It's like, well, what does that mean? The riches of his glorious inheritance. Very simply, it's this. It means that God has an inheritance. God has something that's going to be coming to him, an inheritance, just like you think about an inheritance. But you got to ask yourself this question. Okay, if God's the creator and he made everything, then what could you, what, what inheritance could actually be significant to, to the one who has everything? It's like trying to buy a gift for someone who has everything. It's hard, isn't it? But do you know what God's inheritance is? And it's not just inheritance that he says, my good inheritance, my average inheritance that's coming. No, 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 no. He says, this is beautiful. He says, my glorious glorious inheritance. Do you know what God's glorious inheritance is that he can't wait to have, that it's going to bring him so much joy? Know this, everyone. It's you. You are God's glorious inheritance. I had to fact check this about five times. I called Tim into my office a couple times. I said, am I thinking this passage through rightly? Everything I read says that the glorious inheritance is us. Can you believe that? I said, Tim, we just pray right now. I mean, this is amazing. We are God's glorious inheritance. It should blow your mind. Now, in my mind, here's how I think about it. I think, well, I'm a sinner, though. And if God would leave me alone, you know what I would do? Left to my own good, I would dishonor God with my life. I'd probably have a whole lot of fun doing it. And I would just, that's the path that I would take. But God, you're so good in your grace that you draw me to yourself. You call me. I get to respond. I get to receive your grace and your forgiveness. But even in the midst of that, I'm prone to wander. And so, God, how is it then that you look at your children and you say, oh, my glorious inheritance? 
everybody, it should make us stand back and go, I don't fully understand my worth in the sight of my God. I just can't fully grasp it. It's that big and it's that good. When the Apostle Paul gets to chapter 3, verse 17, he's trying to get the people to understand the love of God, to help them understand their worth. Notice what he says, and we'll unpack this in the series when we get there. But he says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, this is so beautiful, he says, that you may, that's be us, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, like I want you to try to get this, to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love which surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. Psalm 103 verse 11 says this, as far as the the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for us. I never get tired of saying this, you matter to God. Some of you feel so dirty in your sin, and, and know this, you go to God, you get forgiveness, but then what, how does God see you as his forgiven child of God? This blows, should blow your mind. He sees you as his glorious, his glorious inheritance. You are worth so much to your heavenly Father, so much. And there are often times that you'll come into a place like this, and this is why we meet weekly, folks. Because I think every seven days we need a boost together where we say, okay, the world kind of banged me up, but I need to be reminded, okay, what does this book about say, say about well, who I am and then what I should do? And I think we need this reminder so often. You are worth so much to your Heavenly Father. You matter to God. He sees you. He sees you. He knows you. You have so much worth in the sight of God. The third word is this, if you're taking notes. I think the third thing that the Apostle Paul is saying to us, hey, if you want to choose better, like if you want to go from it being kind of a dead faith to being an alive faith, if you want to choose better, Apostle Paul is going to talk to us now about power. Watch this. He writes this in verse 19. And so this is after he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his inheritance and his holy people. And then he's like, whoop, okay, here's the, last, here's the third thing. And then he says this, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Look at those words, incomparably great power. I remember when I was 14 years old, I inherited my brother's moped. And it was like one of those things, I, I don't know why they let these things on the road, because they didn't have much power. And if you were on a moped, you needed to know where the cars were because if there was one behind you, they were annoyed because they were legal, but they weren't fast enough. They had a little governor on them. They would just shut them down. And they, they made this meh noise. And then when you hit the brakes, they squeaked. And they were just kind of powerless. I want you to compare that moped to a fighter jet. A fighter jet that's going off an aircraft carrier, and it's got maybe 100, 200, 300 yards and it keeps going and going and going. And when it gets to the edge of the ship, it's either going to go down into the sea or it's going to fly up. That's power, right? Compare the, the moped to the fighter jet. Incomparable amount of power. So, so much greater. Notice how the Apostle Paul now defines this power. And this power, again, everybody, this is for those who believe. Do you need God's power? This is how he defines it. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength that he, God, exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, 
And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come, Paul is saying that there is power for you and there's power for, you, for, for myself, and that power is the same power that raised a dead man to life. That's power. That's better than an F-16. That's power. And he's saying that when we partner with God, we walk in that power. Just describing it to our kids, you kind of have to say it like this. You can go through life through your, in your own strength. You can. You can do, you'll probably, you, you might even do okay. Plenty of people do. You can go through life in your own strength. But if you want to join God and see God do things that are measurably more than you can ask or imagine, you have to partner with him. And when you partner with him, that's when you're saying, okay, God, I don't want to act in my own power, but God, I want to see your power. I told you very vulnerably last weekend, I said, every time I get on this stage, I have to step into God's power. You've heard the phrase maybe before, that God does not call the qualified. What does he do? He qualifies the called. And for some of you, you feel very underqualified. God, you put a dream in my heart. God, I know you want me to walk down this path. God, I know you want me to be influential in this relationship. God, I know you want to see my marriage healed, but you don't feel qualified. But know this, that's where as a Christian you step in and you say, hey, whoa, whoa, I come to the end of myself, but the moment that I do, I step into the power of God. And that's a game changer, everyone. It's an absolute game changer. There's a gal in our church, you know, we talk about this often. We, uh, we talk about uh, this question, who's your one? And we, we love throwing out that question because it reminds us as a church, okay, who's my one? Who's the person in my life that they're not there by accident, but God has put them into my life on purpose? There's a gal in our church that she drives for Uber just on the side just to make some money, kind of a side hustle thing. And you know why she drives for Uber, though? Because she wants to meet people. Do you know why she wants to meet people? Because she knows that she oftentimes will be able to pray for them. She knows that oftentimes she'll be able to share her faith with them. And she knows oftentimes she'll be able to invite them here. And so that's why she drives for Uber. You know what I'm praying for her? I'm praying that those conversations that she has are not just at the end of herself. I'm praying that they're full of God's power. Do you need God's power? I think very practically we have to ask the question, what does it mean to walk in God's power? I think it means this, we pray bigger prayers. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus commended this person that was praying, they were seeking God with what he referred to as shameless audacity. That's a big prayer. That's a, I'm going to keep asking. Jesus commended that. I think we look at the people in our lives and we say, you know what, if I could walk in power, I would maybe be more fruitful in my relationships around me. I think it makes us look at a marriage that's on the brink and be able to say, okay, God, we can't solve this. But God, in your power, would you solve this? God, we depend on you. God, I need your power. As a church, I think it makes us look at the city and go, hey, not just one location, not just two locations, but what if, what if we could be all over the place and we could be in different pockets throughout the city and we could partner with other churches and we could say, you know what? What if we could make the name of Jesus known in such big ways? What if we could not just help kids in the foster care system, but what if we could begin to help single moms? What about kids with special needs? The list goes on and on and on. But you know what? It will only happen if we come to the end of ourselves and we say, God, I want to partner with you. And God, I thank you. When I do, I get to walk in your power. I get to walk in your power. 
Have you ever seen God answer a prayer that you knew that there was no way you could explain it other than God did it? Those get to happen to you and to me when we say, God, would you take over? I want to walk in your power. One of our staff values is what we call bold dependence. And it's this declaration, really, where we're saying, Lord, we want to be the kind of church that's taking new ground and doing new things and expanding and trying to dream big. But we want to do it in such a way, God, that we have to depend on you. God, if you don't come through, it won't happen. The power of God. I want to close this way. There are three words that we've looked at. We're going to put them up for you. Here they are. Hope, worth, and power. And I just want to ask you this morning, which one of those might the Lord have had for you? Is there one of them that you would just say, you know what, that's the one that God had for me? Maybe for you it's that word hope. And, and you just come to that place this morning where you say, I need my hope to be renewed. I've given up on that. My heart has grown cold in this area, but God, you've given me renewed hope. Or maybe for you, again, you know your circumstances won't change, but what if... What if what gave you the hop in your step at the end of today, at the end of this service, was the reality, not even of your current hope, but of your future hope? Like you were energized like a little kid is that's about to go on vacation. You were energized by what was coming. And you were energized by the idea, God, you inspire my faith for today because I know one day I'll see you face to face. God, I know one day I, I will be face to face with my creator and there will be no more brokenness. Oh, I can't wait for that day. Everybody, that's our future hope. The Apostle Paul said, as a Christian, you don't just have a great identity, but I'm calling you to hope. And then number two, maybe this one is for you. Maybe this is the group for you. It's that whole idea of worth. Every single week, there is somebody in our church that needs to hear, you matter to God. He sees you. You don't need to go down that path. Come back this way. You matter to God. Are you sure he sees me? Yes, I'm sure he sees you. Are you sure he knows me? Yes, I'm sure he knows you. Are you. Am I really his child? Yes, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you are a chosen child of God. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are given a future hope. And you need just to hear today, you have such worth in the eyes of your heavenly father. That is not pie in the sky talk. It is true. And it is throughout the scriptures. And then lastly, maybe you're in the group this morning. You'd say, I need power. Maybe you'd say, I hear lots of God's stories, but I'm not seeing too many of them happen in my own life. This would be my word. To... And you'd say, God, I want to walk and step with you in such a way that I'm actually willing to step into situations that are out of my zone because I want to see your power. For some of you, that's reaching out to a coworker. That's going across the street and talking to a neighbor. That is the area where, okay, God, your power, I need it. God, I believe you put a dream in me to expand the kingdom of God. You've allowed me to be successful in this area or this, this area. I have a lot of capacity, but I've got a dream out here. But the gap between the dream and where I'm at right now seems pretty big. But God, would you give me the power? Not my power, but your power that's for those who believe. Would you help me to walk in that? And so what I want to do is this. I'm actually going to ask all of you to stand, but I want you to stand in three different groups. And I just want to pray for you. And I want us to kind of support each other here as a church. I hope you'll all stand for one of these three. The first group, if, if maybe that word hope is for you, 
I'm going to ask you to stand. I just want to pray over you. Maybe today, so you can stand right now. If hope is your word today, just stand up with me. And that word, what you're saying is this. I needed to be reminded today. Yeah, I needed to be reminded today. My hope is strong in Christ. It is not, oh, I hope so. It's no, no, no. My hope is secure. My hope is secure. And so, Lord, I pray for these people standing right now. And God, I pray that not only would they have a future hope that is so strong and so grounded in the things that are true, one day we will see you face to face. One day everything will be renewed. But God, I pray too, right down to the smallest detail in the relationship that maybe is a struggle or the work situation or whatever or the dream that they've given given up hope on, God, would you renew their hope today? Would you speak to them now? Would you bless them in this way? You can be seated. And maybe for you now, it's the second group. Um, you, the whole, that word worth, when you heard that today, you thought, God, that's what you had for me. Maybe you could stand up right now if that's your word worth. Yeah. Stand up and just say, yeah, I needed to be reminded today. I have great worth in the sight of God. Again, let me just read this to you. You are in God's glorious inheritance. God's glorious inheritance is you. Let that rock you. That rocks me. I mean, think about that. I am God's glorious inheritance. God, I pray for this group. I pray that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they matter to their God. I pray that they would leave here today and they would walk in confidence knowing, you know what, X, Y, and Z might be challenging in my life, but I know who I am. I have such great worth in the sight of my God who has chosen me, who's redeemed me, who's forgiven me, who looks at me and says, with joy, I can't wait to inherit you because you're my glorious inheritance. You have such worth beyond what you could even imagine. I pray you're blessed in that. You may be seated. And then lastly, if this is your group, maybe you stand up now for the group of power. This is the one I would stand up on today. And you're just asking God, God, I want to join you. I want to partner in what you're doing. But God, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I do it in my own strength, it will only go this far. And so today I say, God, I want to walk in your power. God, I want to be in a conversation and be able to go, I didn't even think that. But God, you put the word in my mouth. God, I looked at this situation that I thought this was the end, but no, 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 you had so much more. God, I wrote wrote off that dream, but instead of walking in my own strength, I said, no, no, I'm going to walk in the power of God. Lord, I pray for this group right now. And God, I pray for myself. And God, we just ask, Lord, would you remind us, oh, what a joy it is to know that this isn't just moped power. This is the kind of power that raised a dead man to life. That same power is the power for those who believe. And so, Lord, I pray that when we partner with you and we say we want to advance the kingdom of God, Lord, would you allow this church to multiply our efforts? Lord, I pray for the businessman, the businesswoman, the parent. I pray for the student in this group. And I pray, God, that the things that that you put in their heart, Lord, you would expand beyond what they could ask or imagine because of your power. I pray for the person that needs your power to show up in a relationship today beyond what they could do. They need your power right now. God, give it to them, I pray. Give it to him, I pray. You may be seated. Everybody, I want to close and just simply read Paul's prayer over you. The apostle Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What great news.